This is the Team Church Podcast with Kevin Gerald, where we exist to move church forward and have the conversations that every team needs to be having. Welcome back to the Team Church Podcast with Kevin Gerald. My name is Brandon Stewart, and I'll be your host today. Uh, We have designed the Team Church Podcast to have the conversations that every team needs to be having. And our goal today is to have a vital conversation Uh, here on this podcast, but then set up the conversation for you to continue it uh, with your team at home. So, hey, we're we're so glad you're joining us today. And I want to welcome, as always, to the podcast, Coach K, Pastor Kevin. Hello, Uh, everybody. Welcome to the podcast today. So glad you could join us. Absolutely. And we have a new friend uh, to the podcast. He's not new to our tribe, but maybe new to this space, Pastor Joshua Bingle from Genesis. Hey, hey. Spokane, Washington. Yeah, yeah. Genesis Church, Spokane, Washington. Everybody needs to take a note of that. Mm, Spoke-tucky, baby. The upcoming, soon to be more known, Genesis. (laughs) Josh is no doubt one of my uh, smartest friends, and so we pulled him in today because um, we're going to have a wrestle of a conversation today. This is going to be a good one. And um, Josh, I'm so glad you're joining us today. Uh, Today, man, I couldn't be more excited about this. Today, we're going to begin a series called Kingdom Culture. And specifically today, for our first installment of Kingdom Culture, uh, we're going to talk about cancel culture. And we're just going to go there today and have a conversation about something all of us as leaders are seeing, uh, wrestling with, uh, maybe have experienced in our local context, cancel culture. And um, I believe this is a crucial time for us as God's people and as leaders to get this moment right. So um, we, have, we have taken some time as a tribe to, to listen and we wanna understand the moment, but it's so vital we gather around kingdom culture and God's way of doing things. So Pastor Kevin, I'm gonna turn it over to you, I guess, to launch us into this today. but. Jesus' primary mission on earth was to declare the coming of the kingdom of God to earth. This this is our primary mission as Christ followers. Yeah, absolutely. And he was a big uh, proponent of that. He announced that. He proclaimed that. He wanted people to know, Jesus wanted people to know that it wasn't just a matter of, of him coming in his own name or representing himself, but that he was coming representing heaven, representing his father, and that beginning then that he was introducing the kingdom to the earth. And so there's a lot here and a lot that I think people don't know. Um, Honestly, I'm, I'm so excited to get into this topic and we're going to be teaching it and going back to it in our own church. And as you listen to this today, you might have some of those same feelings that we feel right now. And that is that this is actually a message that maybe we've been a, a, a bit too aloof from it um, and maybe not, um, maybe not taught it enough, maybe, maybe not really emphasized it like Jesus did in his own ministry. Um, So I'm really excited to talk about the kingdom, about kingdom culture. And let me just begin by saying that the kingdom is is basically God's way of doing things. 
So if you look at Jesus' teaching, he would say things like, you have heard, but I say unto you. So the famous Sermon on the Mountain, Mount and all of that, he was, he was saying, okay, I know this is the way you've been taught. I know this is the, what you have heard, but I say unto you. And so he was, he was bringing something different than they were used to hearing. And that is, that is uh, if, you, if you just get that, maybe memorize it if you never have, that one little line, God's way of doing things. So there, the kingdom culture can begin with you. And what's God's way of doing things in your own personal life, in your own habits, in your own, what would God say? And then it would move from there into your family and, of course, into the church and then into the community. But that is, that is what I think heaven has always wanted, is to bring heaven, always wanted us to do, bring heaven to earth. Jesus prayed, what? Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. And a lot of people have missed out on that. I know we're going to talk about it today, but that's just a brief little introduction um, on that. Yeah, and, and you said it recently, I mean, that, that even in the story of the nation of Israel, one of the reasons that, that people missed Jesus was because they were looking for a political king. They were looking for a political solution, and under questioning, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. I mean, even at the very end, he was still, still trying to show us the, the, the kingdom of hearts and lives that he was trying to so I want to jump in on that because a lot of people would say he was renouncing, you know, they would quickly read that and, and assume that he's renouncing having any, uh, any purpose in future earth. And I, I want to say that he's actually saying that my kingdom is not based on the world system. Yes. So he was proclaiming that, my kingdom, as it comes into the earth, will actually not flow into the system of the world. My kingdom is actually bringing into the world the kingdom of God. Yeah. I'm going to let either of you dive into this if you'd like to, but right before we pushed record today, we were talking about the idea that the kingdom of God has a culture of its own. It's always included authority. And I'd, I'd, I'd love if one of you would maybe take us through that because God uses imperfect people in authority. We, we, I think before we get into cancel culture, it's important for us to understand how God sees authority. Yeah. Yeah. Again, thanks for um, uh, having me on today. I'm excited to have this conversation. Um, yeah. Jesus talking about the kingdom so often. I mean, how, how many times do we see him say, someone will ask him a question and he'll say, the kingdom of God is like this. It's like a mustard seed. It's like somebody who bought a field. It's like a wedding feast. It's, and he's constantly talking about the kingdom and, and Pastor Kevin, your, your language for it's, it's God's way of doing things. It's important to understand First of all, to, de to define that, what is the kingdom? What does it mean? Because it, that, could, that word could mean a hundred things to a hundred people. But Jesus was declaring the reestablishment of the authority and the rule and reign of God, which brings with it, just like any kingdom would, there are ways of going about our business in the kingdom. There are ways of living. And 
And it always included authority. I mean, God being the, the primary authority. And then think about how wild it is that God trusts fallible, broken people to lead in his kingdom. Like to build the kingdom is simply to perpetuate it, to live according to its laws and principles. That's what building the kingdom is. It's living as a citizen of heaven. And inherent in that, God trusting us is there is authority that's been granted um, to people who, who mess up and make mistakes. But, but just because that is present does not mean that authority structures are inherently bad, inherently evil. Um, it was, yeah, authority has always been part and parcel of the kingdom, which is for our benefit and for our good. And we thrive in that system. Well, and that brings up the point, too, that not only did he establish it, he backs his established authority. You know, read, read how um, you read the interaction of, of um, Noah's sons. You know, Noah was drunk in a tent one day and Noah shouldn't have been drunk. Like, that, like I think we can all agree that wasn't that wasn't right. That wasn't. But did he get canceled? No. <laughs> he, you know, he had one son that exposed him. He had sons that, 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 that covered his nakedness. And you look at the different response and you just, or, or the Korah's rebellion against Moses. You just see how God actually backs the authority that he establishes. So I am so excited to talk with both of you today about cancel culture. Um, this is, is so relevant. It's so um, it, it's something we're seeing every day on our social media feeds. It's something leaders are experiencing. And um, as church leaders, we've got to get our response right to it. And Josh, you and I were talking last night just about the idea of um, if cancel culture had been alive in in the the days of the Bible, the days of of scripture. Um, there's a lot of heroes in the Bible that would have been canceled. I mean, it, if you can you imagine that climate and, you know, what's written in today's headlines overlaid with, with some of the stories of God's people in scripture. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we had a fun exercise where we were trying to figure out like who in scripture would have been canceled, like in the extremities of cancel culture, like, like who would have been canceled and what maybe some of the headlines would have sounded like. And so we just wrote, we wrote some out. So like here, think about John the Baptist. Um, here's the headline. Desert preacher demands repentance from sin, shaming all who sit under his teaching. Like that, that would have been the headline here. How about Jesus? Um, influential Palestinian rabbi claims exclusive path to heaven, discriminates against honest people of other faiths. Like that, that could have been the headline. Um, how about, how about maybe here's another one for Jesus. Um, Shocking new details on the influential Palestinian rabbi's inner circle and how he's separating young, impressionable men from their families and brainwashing them into serving him. Like that would have, would have been a headline. Maybe how about this for Jesus also? Um, don't get swept up in the wave. Before you start loving Jesus, you might want to take a closer look at some of his more problematic beliefs and teachings. Um, or, or let's do one for Paul real quick is, as this fun exercise. Uh, here's Paul. Um, Grace Preacher, a professed murderer, 
how his grace message manipulates and gaslights his victims and their families into forgiving him. Like, if cancel culture was alive in the Bible, like, God used so many imperfect and flawed people in, in the context of kingdom to bring so much goodness to his people and to his world that I wonder how much fullness we'd be missing out on if, uh, if they were around today. Jesus would have been canceled a hundred times. <laughs> and on the flip side, and by the way, that's really fun, you doing that. I love that. On the flip <laughs> side, Jesus never canceled anyone. You know, so not only would they have all been canceled, but let's take, for example, the woman who was caught is what her accusers say, which means they were stalking her <laughs> and mm. spying on her. She was caught in the act of adultery, right? And they wanted to make sure they caught her so that there would be no way of escape for her. And then they bring her out in the middle of the, well, actually in the temple square is where they brought her. But Jesus was in the temple square teaching and so forth. They brought her to Jesus and they wanted to trap him. So they asked him what to do, what to do with her. And as everyone knows in that story, Jesus, rather than answering them, um, he, he basically knelt down, wrote in the dust, and then stood up and just challenged them by saying, if you're without sin, go ahead and cancel her. Mm -hmm. Feel free. Mm -hmm. If you're without sin. So not only did G not only did, you know, would, would other people have been canceled, but Jesus had this attitude where he never canceled people. It was so contrary to the kingdom way of doing things. It was contrary to the message that he brought um, to society. Now, another little thing I want to say is that he also said to her privately, privately after her accusers were gone, he said to her, where are your accusers? She said, I don't see them. And he said to her, go and sin no more. So it wasn't that he was condoning her behavior. Uh, it wasn't that he didn't want to see change in her. But it was that he approached things totally different. The Jesus way of doing things is not to cancel people because of their failure or their sin. You know, and... I think this brings up a really good point we need to establish as we make our way into this conversation about cancel culture is that by, by setting up a different way of doing things from cancel culture, we're not insinuating or stating that, that leaders or people in places of influence or authority should be without accountability. And I think that's important right. for us to establish, right? That, that accountability, it has its place, it has its time, and it has its function. Absolutely. And, and PK, you've led so well, so many different situations over the years, you know, with leaders and staff and, and church members and whatnot, that, that accountability has a, a time and its place. But that's not what we're talking about. And that's not what we're seeing, I guess, with cancel culture, is right. we're not seeing, and, and Josh, maybe you can speak to this, we're not seeing just a desire for accountability. We're actually wanting to see people come against authority and overthrow authority. 
Yeah. Yeah. And cancel culture, again, is coming. It has its genesis in wanting to see accountability for people's actions. And that's a, that's a worthy aim. We also want that. The kingdom also wants that. But it veils itself in this morality of accountability. And what it's actually demanding is atonement. It's demanding blood. It's demanding that you pay uh, not just consequences, because there are consequences for sin, even in the kingdom that we, that we live with and we deal with. But Galatians 6 is so clear on how we go about that, that, that you who are spiritual should restore them with a spirit of gentleness, that, that, there's, that the kingdom way gives a roadmap for restoration. It doesn't just leave you for dead, bleeding in the streets when you know, you say one sideways thing or you, you miss the mark somewhere. And, and to be sure, glad I'm Brandon or Brandon, I'm glad that you brought that up, that we're not condoning a free for all wild west. Anything goes. But the inherent danger with cancel culture is, it, is that it veils itself in accountability, but it really is requiring atonement. And that's not kingdom. Only Jesus can atone for my sins. And then he attributes his righteousness to me. Like that is such a powerful message of the gospel that cancel culture cannot give, cannot bring in, and quite honestly isn't even interested in. That's right. I think it'd be interesting for us to look at the difference, in fact, side by side, the difference between kingdom culture and cancel culture, because they have two very, very different aims. I think the first thing we were talking about is that kingdom culture asks for accountability. Cancel culture wants is cancellation. It wants, it wants you, you done and over. In other words, there's very little understanding of grace in the mix. Uh, kingdom culture also, um, you know, attributes to us a, a righteousness that is not our own. You know, we are, we are, we are made righteous through Christ. And, and yet cancel culture, like you said, Josh, and I'm not sure if you want to speak to this it, again, it asks for personal atonement. It asks for you to pay for your own mistakes rather than kingdom yeah, it's a attributing a righteousness to us from Christ. It, it's a new form of legalism. It's the Pharisees pointing fingers like it's so pharisaical in nature. And Jesus, I mean, we see him looking at the Pharisees and saying, you know, your theology is dialed, but you, but it can't, you, you are not lifting a finger to help anyone. Like it's just new legalism. And in James chapter two, I think it's very, it's, it's 13 or 14 somewhere in there that he says, those of you who have judged without any mercy, you will be judged without any mercy. Like that's the danger of cancel culture is that if you're not exhibiting mercy, James, the brother of Jesus tells us you are also going to be judged without mercy. So take care. Like he says, mercy triumphs over judgment. And that is a reestablishment of the kingdom culture. I think too, um, I, I wanted, Josh, earlier we were talking about uh, Barack Obama's statement, and I think you were going to uh, look it up for us and get it right, because it, it spoke well. Um, I don't know, this might have been a few months ago, but yeah. it spoke well to the whole woke, you know, the idea of, of being woke, as this rhetoric and narrative today is uh, talking about, well, you're not woke enough, or you're, you know, you, so... So he said something. Can you yeah. share that? What? Do you yeah. Pick it up? Did you yeah. get it? 
quote on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was talking about um, activism. And the New York Times quotes him as saying, this idea of purity, he's speaking to activists, this idea of purity and, you're nev and you are never compromised and you're always politically woke and all that stuff, you should get over that quickly. He said, the world is messy. There are ambiguities and people who do really good stuff have flaws. And the people who you are fighting, they may love their kids and share many things in common with you. But I love that idea that you, you are always pure and you're always politically woke. He goes, tell to a room of activists, you need to get over that really quickly because the world is messy and there's a lot of ambiguities. Um, I, I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, man, I agree. And I, I think that's really what the blind spot that a lot of people have um, who are embracing the cancel culture is, is we're talking about it from of course, the kingdom way. Uh, but it always is interesting to me that the kingdom way is the best way for, for, for society. It's the best mm. way for all of us just to, to get along with one another. Um, it's, it's just the most beautiful display of direction for, for the right kind of life in the world today. And so to hear you know, Barack Obama talk about it to a room of people who may not even be Christians. Many of them have different faiths. He's so right to make a comment like that because that path is a path of destruction. Another thing we've been talking about when it comes to the difference of kingdom culture and cancel culture is kingdom culture deals with things personally. Cancel culture takes them public. And man, I think right now this is so important for us to understand that, that kingdom culture has a personal responsibility and goes to the person. Cancel culture wants it bloody in the city square, even if that's social media on a Facebook thread somewhere. Um, Josh, maybe you could pick up on that with us for just a minute. That, that That's a big thing we got to get right right now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think even Jesus and, and the apostles, where there was something wrong with a system, they would deal with it publicly, but they never took like a private, personal disagreement. Like even Pastor Kevin earlier, you were mentioning the woman caught in adultery and how Jesus dealt with that was, was brilliant, that once all of the accusers were gone, he said, okay, now personally, like I'm not condemning you, but but don't do that anymore. That's not... That's not how we live in the kingdom. It's not how we operate. And it was, it was personal and it was gracious and it was not attacking. Um, but, but what cancel culture often does is it takes these personal grievances where, and it just, it puts them in on display in the public square where Matthew 18 is like, if I'm offended with somebody, go to them. Or even Matthew five, where it's, if I think somebody's offended with me, Jesus, you think somebody has an offense with you, lay down your offering, go deal with it and come back. It's this very personal, gracious nature to it. Uh, that's, that's the kingdom way. And I think too, to add to that, Josh, is that um, scripture says in the Old Testament, these six things does the Lord hate and seven is an abomination unto him. Those are strong, that's strong words. Like, these six things does the Lord hate. 
And that's the shedding of innocent blood is one of them. The, the seventh one, I think we, we, most of us would know, is he that soweth discord among the brethren. Mm-hmm. So there's something that heaven is always asking us to do that's much like parenting, I think, with your children. Um, God doesn't love one of us more than the other. And so he is continually asking us and, and, and wanting us to care for each other, um, whether, whether that is a person that you know or whether that is a person uh, from afar. And that's, you know, the whole dynamic of not passing judgment. Jesus, you know, did a brilliant teaching that on, on judge not. I mean, it's just like, boom, there it is. Judge not, lest you be judged. You can't get any clearer than that. That that's but see, this is kingdom. This is what mm. we're talking about. And and it's interesting, you know, the visual with that that scripture. Probably most of the pastors and teachers and preachers have used it um, in teaching of the 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 person who has a big telephone pole in you know in their eye, and they're trying to get a, a little speck out of another person's eye. That's exactly what goes on today on social media. It yeah. is this mob mentality, um, this attitude that people can just say whatever they want to say. And I think what we're trying to do today is we're talking to our church leaders. We're talking to team church today. And we're, we're hoping that there's a differentiation that is happening in your heart and in your mind that says something about all the stuff that's going on is not right. And that maybe something we can say today can help create conversations for all of you as a team, uh, beginning with individuals, but as a team. And I would encourage you to talk about that, this. I would encourage you to repent to one another. I would encourage you to be honest and confess your sins to one another. Um, this is not an easy road. Jesus, the challenges of Jesus and living the way he wants us to live is not easy. That's not the point. We have flesh to deal with, and we all make mistakes. But we need at this, at this heaven needs us like never before to own up to God's way of doing things and to aspire to the kingdom way. So judge not means judge not. Uh, it, it, it means it's ridiculous what's going on with people who, you know, we all have sins. We all have, but the whole beam in your eye, speck in somebody else's eye, that kind of thing needs to get stuck in our minds so that we say, okay, the world is doing that. And young people and young adults and people all across social media are doing that. Um, you know, my own, our own church, I, I don't, I don't watch much social media. I don't, I don't go to Facebook. People tell me to stay away because of all the stuff that's said uh, on there, a lot of it directed at me and our church and everything. But um, with all of that, I'm surprised sometimes at the amount of people that go to our church and are part of Champion Center who from one angle or the other, I start to hear 
about their, their, their being put off or their being angry with other people and other Christians and how it all goes back to comments made on social media. Mm. And so when we're talking about cancel and the cancel culture today, I would just say um, what, what, and echo what you're saying, Josh, is that the, the public thing, you know, versus the private, social media is public. It's a public forum. And it should be included in the place where we don't, we don't take stuff to the public forum that is condemning and that is critical. It's just not who we are. And that's not what God wants from us. That's right. And the final uh, difference we wanted to highlight today, there could be many, I'm sure, but the final difference we wanted to highlight today between kingdom culture and cancel culture is kingdom culture offers a roadmap to restoration. Cancel culture leaves people for dead. And man, this is so true. This all comes back to grace. The kingdom culture, we, we offer people a redemptive path and a redemptive plan when they mess up. Cancel culture leaves you for dead. Galatians 6, I think, speaks to it so, so clearly, where Paul says, brothers, if, if anyone is caught in any transgression, if anyone, so brothers, he's speaking to the church, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore them with a spirit of gentleness. You who are spiritual, you who carry the kingdom of God in your heart, the word of God is in your heart, the wisdom of heaven, you, you're led by the spirit. You who are spiritual should restore with a spirit of gentleness. And then the second part of that verse, and keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Like, like okay, be careful, Holmes, because there's going to come a day and there's going to come a time where you're going to slip up because you're human. And God uses, he's into authority and, and how incredible and, and wonderful that he trusts us as humans to, to lead in his kingdom and, and gives us authority in his kingdom. But you who are spiritual, it's not leaving people for dead. Like, wow, so much potential. Really wish he hadn't tweeted that. No, you who are spiritual restore. There's a roadmap to restoration and redemption. So good. That's so good. PK, I think I'd really love to have you help us land the plane today on this conversation. And I guess I'll set it up like this. Um, I feel like Josh being on here today, um, myself, we represent a generation, you know, that is now starting to hit some real leadership years, you know, and we're leading in a very crucial climate a very very crucial moment those who are in maybe their 30s 40s um this is interesting territory for us and we need we need fathers we need we need wisdom we need help and i'm positioning it this way for every pastor and every team member listening today we we need we need fatherly wisdom that can see from a higher perspective right now because the the noise is loud and um, it's, it's bewildering at times. And so will you just help us land the plan? I guess the question I have for you is what are you looking for maybe from your own staff or team right now? How can we as, as young leaders, as team members, as young pastors get this moment right 
What should our responses sound like? What should our voice sound like right now? Because this is a moment that matters for us. Yeah, I think mainly I'm looking for uh, our leaders to adapt to the culture without adopting the culture um, mm. today. Mm. We, I, I don't mm. think we should pretend that this isn't happening. Um, and I, I think, you know, when it all started with COVID a few months ago, and then our country's been through so much uh, the last few months, and we've all been uh, trying to figure out things and how they change and how to adapt. Um, but what I've seen happening a lot, it feels like, is that people are not, and really why I'm, I'm excited about today and future, you know, uh, future podcast on this topic, because I feel like a lot of people are confusing adapting with adopting. And I think there's a big mm -hmm. difference between adapting wow. to culture, knowing what it is, versus adopting um, the culture of the world. And so that's what I'm hoping for is I like conversations like this. I think it's really meaningful. Um, I don't think we should ignore um, what's happening. I, I hope we can talk like one of the things I don't like about cancel culture is that a lot of the cancel that happens within cancel culture is just simply uh, somebody that differs in opinion from you. And because you differ in opinion from them, there's a, there's a spirit of the age that says, I, I can cancel you. Um, it's not even moral. Like it's not even real mm. certain who's right or who's not right. It's just it, it, the judgment is so harsh that, there's not a freedom. And I was explaining to some of our younger team that the big deal when I was younger um, in terms of the, you know, a lot of the rioting that happened and a lot of the, uh, the young people that were um, campaigning in, in youthful ways, you know, with rock and roll and, 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 and all of that we were trying to do to fill the streets and, protest and a lot of it had to do more with freedom of speech and you know that there were certain things and, and a lot of times those certain things were you know what what we saw as not being moral you shouldn't be able to do that because it's immoral it shouldn't be on the radio because it's immoral you shouldn't be able to have that song play because it's immoral and people were saying but you know freedom of speech allows us whether you like it or not we need to have a freedom of speech. And it's so interesting to me how that has swung now to the point where the movement today feels a lot like opposite of that. Like if you're, you're, you don't have a voice, like if you disagree mm -hmm. with me, I cancel you. And that, and, and that to me is what I would just say uh, to me is so freedom of speech is important. I can disagree with you but the ability for you to be able to speak might add something of value to me. And if I can talk about this with you, if we can have good conversations, even if we don't agree at the end of the day, um, we're go both going to be better because of it. So I would, I would say that with our team and with the teams that are a part of this today, I would say work hard to, to adapt with the time, but not adopt or not, not adopt the spirit of, of what's going on mm -hmm. in our culture so or good. 
culture. Define yourself differently. So we talked about a few things. Stay off social media, kind of rhetoric, kind of ganging up. Just boom. Just don't be a part of any of that. Criticism, judgment, all of that. Dismiss yourself. Hit the block button. Say, not right. Not going to join there. I'm not going to be lecturing people on social media. Uh, I'm not going to be making demands of people. I'm not going to accuse people. All of those tones are not kingdom culture. And then, and then thirdly, uh, let's practice love. Like Jesus said that by all, that all men will know you're my disciples by the love that you have. So start off with a dress rehearsal today by doing love, even when you don't feel like it. And remember today that love is not a feeling. Love is a decision and love is a choice. So make the choice today that you will bridle all of the other forms of expression that doesn't fit in with love. Now, again, love doesn't mean that you turn your head to the problem or the issue. Love doesn't even mean that you're passive. That's not what love means. Sometimes love is very assertive and very aggressive, but there's still a nature to it and an appropriateness to it that is still love. We love our children, but we discipline our children. So discipline is of God. Discipline is right. And, and we're certainly today not wanting to do away with that. But I would just say, let's choose love because love never fails. Amen. Amen. Uh, pastor Josh, will you speak a blessing and pray for every pastor and every team listening today? I'd be honored. Uh, Father, we're so grateful for... Um, this mission that you have included us in. Um, Holy Spirit, we need you. I pray for supernatural discernment, supernatural courage, supernatural creativity. Um, God, that we would continue to be conformed to the image of Christ. Romans 12, 2 reminds us not to be conformed to the spirit of this age, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that by testing we can discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. God, we want to get this right. We want to serve our cities well, serve our people well. We want to be that city on a hill. We want to be the salt of the earth that you've called us to be. So God, help us to uh, point out any flaws in us. As Psalm 139, search me and know me, oh God. That if there's anything we need to repent for, that we would repent but God, that we would lead with courage and clarity in this season and that you would continue to build your church through us. We love you. We are grateful to be in this with you. Pray that you, uh, above all else, have been glorified here today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, hey, I want to thank you both for your wisdom today and for challenging us. We're going to continue next uh, episode talking on Kingdom Culture and um, I pray for everyone watching and listening to this today. You'll be back. Hey, however you are watching and listening, be sure you hit the subscribe button. Make plans to join us every month on the first Tuesday of the month. It would be our honor uh, just to have a space with you and your team every single month. Uh, but until next time, Team Church, we love you. We're praying for you. We're standing with you. We're in the fight with you today. 
so uh, j just know that that um, in all things, God is working for our good. We love you. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Amen. Bless you guys. God bless. This has been the Team Church Podcast with Kevin Gerald. For more information on conferences and events, check out teamchurchconference.com.